Praise God. If you were to buy uh, a new TV or some other expensive electronic device and something goes wrong with it, who do you wind up consulting or who do you call? Okay? Something breaks down in your house that's spent a lot of money for, even if you didn't spend a lot of money for, it's in your house and it's yours and it breaks down and no longer works. Who do you call? Do you call the manufacturer? Do you go back to the place where you bought it? Or do you just grab somebody off the street and just ask them, how do I fix this TV? How do I fix this car or whatever? What, what do you do? The manufacturer has a set of instructions or procedures that tell you how to troubleshoot or how to operate the device that has broken down. Your washing machine or your dishwasher goes out. You don't go knock on your neighbor's door or call up some relative and say, Hey, my dishwasher's broken down. How, how do I fix it? Well, when God speaks to you and tells you what to do, who do you believe? Do you believe God or do you believe someone else? Do you believe God or do you believe a relative, a stranger, or just a friend? Or do you listen to what God is saying? God will often put a thought or a feeling before you to act on. God will oftentimes give you a thought which may seem like a passing thought, but if it's something that's going through your mind relative to something that you have going on in your life, something especially when you're wrestling with something, and this thought comes into mind, what do you do? Do you just push it out of your mind, or do you stop and you actually say, well, God, are you speaking to me? Are you telling me what I need to do in this situation? Or do you say, well, you know what, I'm getting this feeling from God or this feeling that I should go and do this to eliminate that problem. Or I'm getting this thought or this feeling that I should go and do that. Do you go to your next door neighbor and knock on the door, you know, and say, I've got this issue in my life, I've got this thing going on, and knock on your neighbor's door, what do you think I should do? Or do you actually take some time and listen to what God is telling you, you know? And how does God give us these thoughts? God does not always speak to us in some booming, deep voice like you see in, in a Hollywood-produced movie. You don't very often, I mean, God can, but very, very seldom does he just shout at you in a booming voice. But there'll be a quiet voice that you'll hear in your spirit, or that you'll kind of hear deep down in here in, in your claw. And you'll feel like, maybe this is something I should do. And the thing about it is that you will know, and I don't know how to describe this, but you will know that this is something that I need to think about doing here, and how should I move forward? But instead of you just jumping in and, 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 and jumping into the waters with both, both feet, you need to test the waters and think about, God, is this you? Okay? And then, when God tells you this is he that's speaking to you, and you feel very strongly in your spirit that, yes, I need to move forward and do this, again, I say, who do you consult? Who do you wind up believing? How do you respond? Do you do what God is telling you, or do you simply believe somebody else for not doing what God is telling you to do? Okay? And many times, if God has given you something to do, it may be worthwhile, even, to keep it to yourself. Because not everyone has your best interest in heart. If God is telling you to do something, you may not necessarily want to go blabbing it to your next door neighbor or someone else because many times they will negate or, 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 or try and take away from what God is telling you to do. Our own fears and things will set in sometimes to make us think, well, gee whiz, I cannot do what God is telling me to do. Amen? So what do you do? When God wants you to do something or wait, do you put obstacles in your own way? 
Many times when God is telling us to do something to eliminate a problem or to deal with a situation, do we put our own obstacles there? Well, as usual, I just can't give you my opinion on this or give you my educated thoughts on it or my educated guess on it. We have to see what the Word of God says. So let's go to Numbers 13. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. Everything we do in life must be based on the Word of God. I heard... um, I heard a minister this morning speaking, and he was talking about the Word of God, and that Scripture is the inspired Word of God, Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. So that means that these Scriptures written in this book, it's the mind of God, as inspired and written down by man. So that means that if this book that we're reading here is the inspired word of God given by God, um, then we need to think about how it applies to our lives. I said in the last sermon last week that uh, um, we need to, to take this book here and really incorporate it into our lives, you know, and not to view it as simply a collection of, of writings. Uh, it is indeed, it's an ancient book. It's an ancient books book. Many of the writings were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, going way, way back, thousands of years. It's an ancient book, but it is modern and fresh in that it addresses the needs of our lives today. It is not just a collection of stale manuscripts that were written, but it addresses the lives of our, uh, the, uh, the things that are in our lives today. So looking at chapter 13, let's start with verse 1. Chapter 13 of Numbers, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now please underline all of that, but put a a little circle around the word give, okay? Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And let me just pause there for a moment. The reason I told you to circle the word give or double underline it or something, um, the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children. So God is saying that I'm giving this to you. If God says he's going to give you something, that means he's going to give you something. That means it's a done deal. In God's mind, it's done. All right? So God is saying to send men, uh, everyone a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were the names of the tribe of Reuben, Shemal, the son of, of Zachor. And I'm not going to read all of these names from every tribe. Okay, but you see all the names of every tribe list, listed there. And just jump down to verse number 16. Okay, if you're reading along with me in your Bible, those listening to the podcast on the website there, just jump down to verse number 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up by up this way southward, and go up into the mountain. And see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth there, whether they be strong or weak or few or many. So he's telling them to go spy the land and assess it. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. 
and be ye of good courage. Underline, be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Be ye of good courage, courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first grapes. So sometimes in our lives, just to pause there for a moment, sometimes in our lives God will say to us, I want you to go forth and check out the situation. Or this is what I want you to do. And I want you to go and I want you to evaluate and think about this thing that I am telling you to do. But first of all, God started out and he said there that, go and look at the land that I give to you. So God didn't say, will give, he says, that I give to you. So God is saying that he already gave them the land, but he's telling them to go and look it out. To look at, to see whether it's good or bad. So when God gives us an unction or gives us a thought in our minds that there's something that we need to do in our lives relative to a problem or a situation or whatever it is that you're praying for, God may sometimes say to you, evaluate. This is what I want you to do. To see whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, okay? So then he says here in verse 21, So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men uh, come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahman, Shashai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshol and cut down from hence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates, they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. Must have been some large cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry it. Amen. <laughs> a lot of grapes, okay? And they put them between a staff between two men, brought of pomegranates and figs. Verse 24. The place was called the brook Esau because the cluster of grapes with the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Now please in the line, after 40 days in verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and even unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, of the land, underline and showed them the fruit of the land. So they came back with hard proof what was there in that land, these beautiful grapes and pomegranates. Verse 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Underline, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So they went and did their investigation, and they're pleased with what they saw. Then it gets interesting. 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land. Underline, please. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now just pause there for a moment. They brought back the grapes, which were really nice, and the pomegranates and everything. But then they said, But, but, nevertheless, these people that are there. So right away, God sent them on a mission. They brought back a good report with the fruits and everything. But all of a sudden now, one of them said, Whoa, wait a minute. 
There's dangerous things there. You know, these people, you know, what does it say? Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land. You see? So many times when God is sending us on a mission or when God is telling us to do something, there will be someone or those that will present to us a problem why you cannot accomplish or why you should hesitate even in going forth. Before they even got off the ground, you're really going good at this thing, right? Oh boy, the people are big and they're strong. You see? This is what the devil does in our lives. When God is telling us to move forward in accomplishing something, or move forward to bring an answer to your prayer. There will be thoughts that come in your mind, if not actually people that will come into your life, to say that, oh boy, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get that house? How are you going to get that job? How are you going to get that person out of the way? How are you going to do this? How, 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 how? And present to you a number of reasons why you shouldn't even try. Okay? But God said to them, go and look at the land that I give to you. Meaning that God gave it to them. It's a done deal for God. So the things that you are praying for in your life, and if God has spoken to you, these things are a done deal. Maybe you don't see them yet materializing in your life. Maybe they're not there. The thing that you're praying for, be, be it a healing, you know, you got this pain and, and, and you, you, you're worried about a part of your body or something like that. But God has said, with Jesus' stripes, you were healed. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago means that you were healed. Amen. So that means that you are healed right now. All right. So don't let those that be around you or those other thoughts that the devil will plan in your mind to say that those things that are before you are greater than what God said. That's what I'm getting at. God said the land that I give to you, meaning that it's a done deal. God said, the thing that I have answered in your prayer, the thing that I have blessed you with, it's a done deal. Amen? So don't let thoughts and things come into your mind that negate what God said that he would do. Okay? So he came forth, they came forth and said, wait a minute, they're great in the land, they're they're strong. But Caleb, in verse number 30, said, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So when that thought you need comes into your mind to negate or to come against what you're praying and hoping for, you need to get a Caleb thought in your mind. You need to become a Caleb and say, wait a minute, let me go and possess this thing. Let me go and achieve what it is that God is wanting me to do. Let me go and do it, because it says we are well able to overcome it. I am well able to overcome whatever that thing is before me that is trying to to, to, to steal my joy, to steal my faith, trying to deter doing what God is telling me to do. I am well able to overcome it. Okay? Now, Caleb was, was, was speaking diametrically opposed to what the other people was said, nevertheless the people are strong and dwell in the light land, and he says we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, but the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Okay? They're, they're another, a negative confession. Underline that please, and if you have room in your margin, uh, uh, write the words negative confession. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. A negative confession. You don't know how many times, especially when I was starting out and trying to to build a career and and working and things like that and moving into management, you don't know how many times God put something in my spirit. I remember one time there was uh, an offer that was being made and I kept putting it off, putting it off, and one of the managers from that unit saw me at a job site and said to me, when are you going to put in your papers? When are you going to put in your resume? When are you going to? When are you going to? And I kept having this thing in my heart and in my spirit, gee, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I'm not, this is way over me, way, way over me, way over me. All sorts of nagging thoughts that I could not overcome it. 
But I kept praying, I kept praying, and I felt this unction to move forward. And when I did, I got the job, and that was the beginning of a long career and so on like that. But this is not about me, it's about what the Word of God is saying. But what I'm saying to you is that there will be people that will come your way, some will encourage you, there will be other thoughts and feelings and other people even that will come with negative confessions saying that you cannot do it. You've got to put negative confessors out of your life, or at least out of your mind, if you can't get them out of your life. You can't listen to people saying, you cannot overcome, you cannot achieve, you will not succeed. You cannot listen to that. You cannot look at the circumstances around you and say, because of the fact that I am doing this, if I look at the weather forecast, or look at this, or look at that, that means that I am not going to be able to succeed. If God is saying that you are going to succeed, that means that you are going to succeed. And you've got to be like Caleb here, alright? He says, but the men that were with him, that went up there, uh, we be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. Get those negative confessions out. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Underline, they brought up an evil report of the land. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched uh, unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. More negative confession. More negative confession. Many times in life, God will present things before you, things that you're trying to achieve or trying to accomplish. And the surroundings or the things that would be against you seem to be so great. There will be those men, quote-unquote, you know, uh, the inhabitants of the land, you know, that eat up the people. In your life, that will, will seem so great and so powerful, powerful that you cannot achieve what it is that God is telling you to do. Amen. Yeah, I've spoken to you about us all having promised lands and how we all have wildernesses in our lives, okay? And the wildernesses in our lives are those points in time between actually seeing God's promise or seeing the end thing that you're praying for. The wilderness time is that time in between where it just seems so bleak. It seems like you're not achieving. It seems like you're not able to go forward. It seems like there's something that you're not able to accomplish. To, to accomplish. The inhabitants of the land that the Bible is, is, is preaching of, those giants in the land, are any situations or people or things that would come against you to make you feel like you will not achieve. It could be someone in your life. It could be a relative. It could be a friend. It could be a next door neighbor. It could be just a thought popping in your mind. You see, that thing that you are praying for, that thing you're hoping for, it's just too great for you to achieve. The inhabitants of the land, the, those people or places or things or instances that are before you are so great, you're not going to be able to achieve that it is that God is telling you you can achieve or what you're praying for, okay? Then in verse 33 it says, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And, and we were in our own sight, underline or circle the, the word own, and we are in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight, underline their sight. Okay? We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Okay? If you are viewing your own capabilities as a grasshopper, so to speak, if the thing that you're praying for or hoping for or issue that you're trying to overcome, if you are viewing yourself as being a grasshopper, as being so weak that you will not be able to accomplish that which God is telling you to do or what you're praying for, if you're viewing your own self as that, then guess what? Those others that might be around you, those others that God might be wanting to use as instruments to bring about your dream, those people will view you the same way. 
If you are viewing yourself as a grasshopper, then, they, or at least you will start thinking it anyway, it says, for they were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So right away you start projecting your feelings of inability, you start projecting your feelings of ineptness. You projecting you start projecting your feelings on to those to what to, or to, to how those people are going to respond to you. Okay? They may not be going to respond to you in, in, in a negative kind of way. They're saying there that we are like grasshoppers, so those people are going to think we're grasshoppers and are going to crush us too. Well, if we start thinking like that, if you start thinking that you're a grasshopper, then you're going to start saying, well, gee whiz, I am just too unqualified, I am just too puny, I am just too uh, um, um, uneducated, I am just too unknowledgeable to, to be able to achieve this, and that's what they're going to think of me. Okay? But you don't know what God is doing. You don't know what kind of thoughts God is putting on that other person's mind. God may be putting in that other person's mind, gee whiz, boy, this person is the most qualified, or this person is the most knowledgeable, or this person is the one that I need to accomplish this task. This person is the one that's, is, that's going to, 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 to move the situation forward. But because of the fact that you are viewing yourself as a grasshopper, you're projecting on how someone else, or how, how some other situation is going to present itself to you. You see? And so right away, that puts you in a feeling of, why should I even try? Why should I even go forward to take the, to take the land filled with milk and honey. Even though they came back and told me there are beautiful grapes here, pomegranates, I brought as proof here, but those people that are there, they're like giants. They're just so fierce. And when it says eats up the land, that means that in, in this uh, King James language, in the original, original Hebrew, what it was saying is that these are warring people all the time. It wasn't saying that they were, 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 were literally eating up, but these people were fighting against. These, these were the... the, the, the um, you know, the Amalekites and all of those. These were the heathen nations and they were constantly at war. So they were saying, we can't go take this land. They just they destroy themselves, you see. So don't think of yourself as a grasshopper because then you start projecting that others see you as a grasshopper and therefore you stop trying. Therefore you feel that I shall not go, I cannot go and achieve my promised land. Again, every single person in this room has a promised land. And that promised land in life, we have many. We have many promised lands, okay? When you have had an issue in life that you've prayed for, something was going on in life that you prayed for, and God answered that prayer, and God delivered you from something, and God brought you into seeing what you were praying for, then that was your promised land. Amen? 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 You're, you're, you're praying for children, and you're praying, and God blesses you with a beautiful child. That was your promised land that you actually saw, okay? But life as it is, because we have tribulations, Jesus said, that you have then another tribulation that will come up, and then there's a promised land, something that you're praying for, okay? You, 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 you came through one promised land, that beautiful baby, and now there's something else in your life that you're praying for, okay? So now this is another promised land that is out there before you. Until you get to that new promised land, there is a period possibly of wilderness that you're going through, where you're uncertain about how things are going to go. God has said, though, this, look as proof. Look what I did for your last promised land. I brought you through it. I brought you to it. Now, trust me, God is saying, I will bring you to this next promised land. But how do you get through this wilderness? And then if God says, I want you to go and check some things out, this is what I want you to do, and you're praying for this new promised land, whatever it is you're praying for, if you start feeling, oh, gee, it's the circumstances, the people that I will be involved with to achieve this goal, it's just too much for 
for me. I'm like a grasshopper. They're going to view me as a grasshopper. Then you are negating what God wants to to do in your life. God is, you are holding yourself back from God materializing that new promised land, that new thing that you're hoping for. Okay? So he says there again in, in the end of 33, verse 33, um, uh, and we are, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Okay? Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. Underline, please, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness. So because of, the, of this report, from those that those some of those men that went out. Now, this was all of the people besides Joshua and Caleb brought back negative reports about the land they spied out. Now, the people are saying they were up there crying and weeping all night that, um, gee whiz, why? And they're blaming Moses and Aaron. Why did they bring us here? It would have been better off if we had remained in Egypt. So that thing in your life that you're praying for and you're hoping for and whatnot, it seems to be such a struggle for you. And then you start saying to yourself, boy, I should have stayed at the other place. I should have done this. I should have gone here. I should have done that. Why did I come out here now to let God just let me fail? Why is all this going to go on? And then you start blaming other people. You start blaming someone else, you know, as to why things went wrong. Then we see here in verse number 3, and wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land? To fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? They want to go back to where they were. You know, and they're thinking now that our wives and our children are going to be killed and everything here, go back to Egypt. Verse number four. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. So now they're so mad at, at uh, Moses and Aaron, now they're saying, let's appoint someone else to lead us so we can go right back to Egypt. Okay, now, in Scripture, Egypt is a type of, or it's an example of, of, of uh, bondage. Okay? When the Israelites were living in Egypt, they were under constant bondage. They were slaving and toiling and so on like that. You remember uh, in Exodus where it talks about how they were living and so forth. And they're saying, boy, it would have been better for us to go back to that, that kind of life. Amen? In our modern day lives, that could be similar to you all of a sudden as a child of God, where you have moved forward in God. God has shown you things over the years and you're starting to grow in God. That would be like you all of a sudden feeling, because I can't accomplish this thing, it is just so great for me. I wish I, would just, I was just back the way I was 20 years ago. I wish I was back living the life that I did before I knew God. I wish that I was living the life before I, like I was before I was set free. Amen? You see, if you're a child of God and you're a, a, a child of, of Jesus Christ, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you've been set free. You, you don't have to, to be living the life that you lived before. And living the life that you lived before does not necessarily mean um, that you've gone back to hanging out in the bars. You've gone back to gambling. It could simply mean that you, you, you're going back to Egypt with your way of thinking. 
Before you come to Jesus Christ and you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you were in bondage. You were in bondage to a lot of negative thoughts. You felt like I couldn't succeed. You didn't believe that Jesus could save you. You didn't believe that God could do anything for you. If, if anything happened in your life, you just struggled and a lot of heartache and everything. And then all of a sudden, when you come to Jesus and you're born again, you, you're set free from that bondage. You're no longer bound by that way of thinking. So going back to Egypt for us today as Christians means that we're going back also not only to bad habits or bad ways, but we're going back to those old ways of thinking, not having faith in God. All right? So it is not better that we should go back to that. But these folks are saying here, let us appoint a new captain so that we can return to Egypt. Go back to bondage. Verse number 5 says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent or tore their clothes. That was a way that they showed, in those days, um, to show frustration, they had a thing of ripping their clothes open. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is an exceeding good land. Okay, now they are speaking the positive things of the land. This is Joshua and Caleb. Underline, the land we went to uh, pass through to search is an exceeding good land. Alright? If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Underline that, please. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Now, God had already said to go spy out the land that I give to you. All right? Now, nine. Only, rebel not you against the Lord, neither fear you the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Please highlight all of verse number 9. Only, rebel not against the Lord. Do not go against what the Lord is saying to us, or has said to us. Neither fear the people of the land. Do not go against what God may be telling you to, to go, to do, to achieve whatever it is that you're praying for. All right? Do not go against that. And do not be afraid of any opposition that may be perceived to be there. Any opposition that you might think is there. Before, because that opposition is going to go away. They are, are, are weaker than you in Christ Jesus. In us, in us and ourselves are nothing. We have no strength. But in God, we have a lot of strength and power in the name of Jesus. So he's saying here, here, here are, um, uh, do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. God is with you. Fear not. God is with you. Fear not. God knows where he wants you to be. God knows what he wants to accomplish uh, for you and in you and through you. So have no fear. And don't let those people of the land, people of the land to us, could be our own thoughts of failure, our own thoughts of not succeeding, our own thoughts of, of, of that person not getting out of the way, whatever is going on in your life or not being able to accomplish something that is in your life. Okay? Fear not. Verse number 10 says, But all the congregation bade stone them, stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Now he wanted to stone Moses and Aaron. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? Please in the line, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be, uh, will, will, uh, will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed them? Now, just pause in there for a minute. I can almost say to you this day, if you're wrestling and struggling with believing and trusting God, what did he say there? How long will this people provoke me? 
Okay? When you're not trusting God, when you're entertaining doubt, especially in light of all of the things that He has shown you in your life, the many blessings that He's shown you in, his, in, in your life, if you're trusting or not trusting God, or if your faith is wavering, then you're provoking God. You're provoking him. And, and he's saying it basically, how long will they keep provoking me? You know, God is promising you one thing. If you have a kid, you know, and, 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 and you keep, keep telling this kid, um, um, uh, this is what I want you to do. This is how things will work for you. This is what I want. Do this and do that and do this and do that. And the kid is, is, is just not doing what you're telling him to do. Or, and, or, or better still, the child keeps asking you for food. And you're saying dinner will be ready at six, and the child just keeps tugging at you, tugging at you, tugging at you. When are we going? When are we going to eat? You know, it, in a way, it's kind of provoking you. You know, you kind of want to say, "Kid, I told you, get away from me. I told you, six o'clock." For crying out loud, you know, you say, and just keep nagging, just na- nagging. In a way, we're like that with God. God has a plan for us. God has already shown us what we what what He can do. We've already shown that child that come six o'clock like clockwork, you always eat, and you always have a good meal, you enjoy your food, you have a good time, you get nice and full. But now all of a sudden this kid again is coming to me, when are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? Go wash your hands, go wash your hands. And so they're doing all of the things that the child is provoking you. When we are not having faith in God, when we're not doing what God wants us to do, we're provoking him. Okay? And it's like God, thank God God is God. With the, 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 the agape love and the, un, the, the unmeasurable love that he has for us and the patience that he has for us. Because so many times we just look the other way or we forget and we start wallowing in our own fears. We start wallowing in our own hesitation and whatnot. And then we, we're kind of praying to God but we're not having that faith. Then we got to think about are we provoking God? Are we really just getting, you know, by not believing what he's, what he's telling, what he's told us? How long will these people provoke me and how long will it, will it be ere they believe? me for all of the signs which I have showed among them. I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make me uh, make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou brought us up, uh, up, brought us up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among the people, and thou, uh, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by the, um, them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. And if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. So he's kind of pleading with God, and he's saying that, Lord, all of the people that are better out there, all of these heathens, they've heard about the mighty and wonderful things that you've done. They've heard about the powerful things that you've done. But now Lord, if you wipe out this whole congregation, then those heathens, they're going to talk about you. They're going to say, Lord, that you were not able to bring them through into this promised land. Okay? And he's, and he, and he's giving back to God. You said, Lord, that you're long-suffering and you have great mercy and you're forgiving iniquity and transgression. So he's kind of telling back to God, this is what, who you are. Pardon, verse number 19, pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even unto until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Okay? 
So because of what he was pleading before God, God is saying, okay, I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to destroy. All right? But if we're not doing what God is wanting us to do, and you know in your spirit when God is telling you to do something, you know in your spirit when God, in your spirit when God is telling you to have faith and to keep you know, moving forward, and you're provoking him like that, you know, you're risking the anger of God. You know? I mean, we can't just keep on disbelieving God. Because really all God has, God doesn't have to even destroy us. I mean, he could if he wanted to. He could just simply remove his hand from us. He could stop protecting us and stop watching over us the way he does. You may never know the amount of protection that God and his angels has done in your life, keeping you safe from all sorts of harm that's out there. You may never know. Amen? But we don't want to keep provoking God. So anyway, so in verse 20 he says there, um, I have pardoned them according to thy word, according to what you said. 21. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Just pause there for a minute. So God is saying, for all these people who just confessed all this negativity, and just keep on going back against me, they wanted to, to stone Aaron and Moses, they wanted to, to just go back to Egypt, God is saying, fine, I I've had enough. All of those people, they're not going to get into the promised land. Amen? They're not going to go in, you see? So we don't want to keep doing to God and provoking God so much that finally God might say, I'm just going to take my hands off because I've I've shown you all of my miracles. You saw what I did to you before, and you saw what I did for you. You see how I removed obstacles from before you. God could say, well, I'm tired of this. Okay, then you're not going to get to that promised land. You're not going to achieve that goal that it is that you're hoping for in life. God forbid that that should ever happen to any of us. Amen. So then he goes on to say here, um, they will not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, 24, verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, a good spirit, a believing spirit with him, and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his, and his seed shall possess it. Please underline all of that. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. 25. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil generation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. God hears the complaints. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you are According to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell in therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. So he's saying all of those from twenty years old and up, okay, that murmured against 
then they will not see the promised land, except for Caleb and Joshua. But your little ones, that they were so worried about, 31, but your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. Okay? So they just refused to do what God wanted to do, so God said, you're despising the land, guess what, you're not going to get in to see it, but your children will. Verse 32, but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years. Please underline. Your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of days, underline 34 here, after the number of days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall you bear your iniquities. Even 40 years and you shall know my breach of promise. Okay? This is why the ancient Israelites um, roamed in the desert for 40 years. That's why it was 40 years. Okay? I remember looking at a, 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 a good biblical map and you'll see that the distance that they wandered, I forget the, actually, the actual mileage now, but it could have been traversed in, in, a, in a, a much shorter period of time. It would not have taken 40 years. But because of the fact that they said, you see, remember 40 days, uh, 40 days in, in uh, what was it, chapter 13, verse number 25? And I'm just going to read it back. You don't have to flip there right now. Chapter 13, verse 25 said, And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Okay? They searched for 40 days and they brought back this negative report and, and, and it cost them dearly now because God says because of that, every single um, a year for every single day that you went and searched out the land, the land that you that you are uh, that you hated. Okay, reading 34 again. After the number of days in which you searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and you shall know the breach, know my breach of promise. So when God is praying, when God is doing a work in our life, we need to be very, very careful that we don't find such negative reports about the things that are happening until we get there. Because, you know, God forbid that he should get to the point where he's just going to lift his hands off of you and just say, okay, he or she is just not believing, nothing but negative thoughts. I keep telling them that I'm going to bring them to that promised land. They're just refusing. You don't know how that could wind up impacting you. All right? God forbid that you're looking for, looking for something for 40 whole years, but it's just showing you that God takes very seriously when he says to do something that you wind up um, not trusting and not having faith. Verse 35 says, I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against them by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land, died by the plague before the Lord. Underline that those men died before the plague of the Lord. Okay? So you can see what happened to happen to them. No good came to them who just refused to believe and trust. Verse 38. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. Underline or highlight all of that. Lived still. And Moses told these sayings unto the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and will go up into the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you. 
that you not be smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites were there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. See, we've got to be careful about how we keep turning God away. You've got to be careful. Not trusting in God and not having faith, not being steadfast and believing what God is steadfast and what God is, is telling you that he's going to do for you. You've got to be careful there because you can wind up even driving God away from your presence in, 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 uh, it, by the way of that. He uh, does not have his hand on you and so forth, watching over you. Therefore, the Lord will, will not be with you. But they presumed to go up into the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Moses and the ark of the covenant did not leave the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill, and smote them, and discomfited them, even unto Hormah. You see? So Moses told them, alright, this is what you did. You didn't listen. God has had enough. God is fed up. Don't all of a sudden now go running back up and going up the mountain because God won't be there for you. Don't go into that land because God is not with you. But they decided to go anyway. They didn't listen to God. You see, this is what obedience is all about, doing what God is telling us not to do and doing what God is telling us to do. And as a result of that, you see that they were killed here. They were all, they were wiped out. Amen. But so now, so what do we do? How do we know when God is telling us to do something? How do we know when God is telling us to get, there, get to the promised land? Last few scriptures here in closing. Let's go to John 16. Let's go to John 16. How do we know, what do we have to do? What kind of guidance do we have? We've got this thing in our life that we're praying about. We have this situation or this thing we're praying for or a blessing that we're hoping for. What is it that we, that we need to do? And in and, and, and keeping strong faith. John 16, verse number 1. John 16, verse number 1. Praise the living God. God is good all the time. Okay, praise God. John 16, verse number 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. If you, if you have a red letter Bible, these words are in red, because this is Jesus speaking. Verse 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will, will think that he does God a service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither thou goest, or where you go. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So please highlight all of verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient, or it is best, that I go away. For if I do not, the Comforter will not come. The Comforter here is being, that is being referred to as Holy Spirit. So Jesus had to return to the Father in order that the Holy Spirit may be made available to all of us who, who succeeded Jesus. Thus what happened in the second chapter of Acts. Back in the Old Testament days, we know that Holy Spirit was only made available to those people that God chose to give them to, the, the prophets, Elijah and so on like that. All right? All right? But, but the, the Holy Spirit was not poured out upon every single Israeli 
or Hebrew back in those days. Okay, it wasn't until after the second chapter of Acts, so Jesus, after the, the, resur- the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus is saying here, it is expedient for you, or best for you, that I go, go not, uh, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come to you. Verse 18. And when he has come, meaning Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them right now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Underline that. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that will he speak. He will show you things to come. So in, in other words, Holy Spirit, which is going to be guiding, to guiding you and speaking to you, he is giving you what God the Father has told him. So in moving forward to achieve or to accomplish this promised land, or this new land, this thing that you're praying for, this thing that you're hoping for, the Holy Spirit will guide you. And the things that Holy Spirit tells you is coming from none none other than God the Father. You see? So we as children of God, we have a direct line to and from God the Father. And if God is 